Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Mystery, Suspense, Dramas, and Horrors, where we bring to you the most mysterious tales that the golden age of radio had to offer. And now, with 728 episodes made, broadcasting on CBS Radio Network from 1949 to 1962, we bring to you, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Frank Gaber at Monarch Live, Johnny. You free for about a week? What's the deal? The name is James, Mrs. Martin James. She disappeared May 25th. Her husband's a wealthy contractor in the Denver area. What's the policy price? 200000 She better not be dead. According to the police, there's very little possibility that she's anything else. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Here's a taste treat you can enjoy indoors, outdoors, at work, or at play. The cool, long-lasting mint flavor refreshes you. The smooth, steady chewing helps keep you fresh and alert. Adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Monarch Life Insurance Company, Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Mr. Frank Gaber. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Barbara James matter. Expense account item one, $73.87, transportation to Denver, Colorado. Expense account item two, $2.30, taxi fare from airport to police headquarters, where I spent a few minutes getting myself up to date. Detective Lieutenant Harrison locked his hands in the back of his head, leaned back in his swivel chair, and filled me in on the meager facts. And a swimming pool. Mm, he must have loved her. Well, he could afford it. And tennis courts, anything to hang on to her. See, Dollar, he's one of these silly old fools dreaming of a sparkling youth. What about his wife? She was 28. I uh, got a picture of her here. Now, would somebody like this be interested in a 50-year-old baldy with a paunch? For money? She was originally. But when she got all the money she wanted, she started cavorting. It's my guess that's what happened. What am I saying? My guess, that's what did happen. Up till the time she disappeared, anyhow. Married long? Three years. No children. Her first husband was under contract to one of the movie studios. He lost his contract, went to New York to starve a while... Found he had no wife when he got back to Hollywood. Don't tell me. James met his wife in Reno. Reno it was. He had just let go of something his own age. Wanted a little romance before he died. 
Six weeks ago, he called up the department and said she was missing. In the last six weeks, he's aged ten years. Looks like a very unhealthy 60 now. Mm. Nothing from the travel bureaus, out-of-town hotels? Nothing from railroad stations, bus depots, airports, auto rental services, other police stations in the U.S. and Canada, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, after six weeks, murder. Expense account item three, $1.50 taxi fare to the lush mansion of Mr. Martin James. On the way over, partly for pleasure, partly for business, I studied the glamour photo of the missing girl. She was standing beside a swimming pool in a bathing suit, smiling at whoever was taking the picture. She was quite a girl. The James place was a colonial-style museum piece up on a hill overlooking the city. A pretty young thing in a nurse's uniform met me at the door, took my name, and disappeared behind two high oak doors. In a moment, she was back. She ushered me into Mr. Martin James. Mr. James looked very old. His legs were wrapped in a patch quilt. One hand clutched the collar of his bathrobe about his throat. The other hand held a glass of milk. Uh, how do you do? Sit down, won't you? Oh, thank you, Martha. That'll be all. I know your suspicions, Mr. Dollar. My answer is no. I'm not at all sure she hasn't run off with a younger man. But all the ticket officers... Oh, she'll... she'd use another name. Mm, very possibly. You see, Mr. Dollar, Barbara married me for my money. I married her for her youth and her beauty. Uh, it was a decent enough arrangement until she became dissatisfied. Uh, yes, I suppose I was a fool. Then you think she left you? If I ever allowed myself to really believe that, uh, I wouldn't want to live. I can stand the news that she's ill, oh yes, or even that she's dead, but not that she's left me. And I sit here day after day telling myself that maybe, in a small way, she loved me. And what do you think did happen to her? I don't know, but she would have sent me some notification, postcard, anything. You know, there was a strain of sweetness in there. She found it very difficult to be unkind. Well, she had a conscience, Mr. Dollar. Tell me, how did you discover she was missing? Well, I came home one night. She said she was going out. We had a quarrel. It was the only time I ever raised my voice to her. She stormed out of the house, didn't even take any of her things. You know any of her close friends who've left town? No, I don't. But, of course, I didn't know all of her close friends. I suppose not. Well, Mr. James... Can you suggest any of her friends that I might start with? No, Mr. Dollar. Although I suppose Bennett would be as good as any. Who's Bennett? Oh, he runs the Yellow Bird Cafe, a nightclub downtown. I always had the idea he was number one on the list. The Yellow Bird Cafe. Well, thanks, Mr. James. If I hear anything new, I'll let you know. Thank you, Mr. Dollar. Oh, one more thing. Yes? If you find her... And she did leave me. Tell her she needn't come back. Expense account item three, 90 cents taxi fare to the Yellow Bird Cafe, a blue-lighted night spot. In a minute or two, I was seated opposite a slick-haired leading man in a dinner jacket. From the size of the bills on his desk, I'd say his wallet was pretty well-dressed, too. Don't look at them too long. They'll burn your eyes out. Must be awful to have to rake all that off the lawn every morning. Oh, I just wanted to impress you. That's a whole week's sake. Denver isn't what I call a good club, Sam. 
My place in Frisco does much better. The only town worse than Denver for club trade is Cleveland. Cleveland pulls in the gutters at 6 p.m. Well, I'll keep that in mind if I ever get the urge to open up a clip joint. I'm here about Barbara James. It's funny how that name keeps cropping up. I suppose it'll keep cropping up until somebody finds her. You have any ideas? Sure, lots of ideas. She could have crossed against the light, fallen into the great divide, thumbed her way to Hungary. You're a comedian. Oh, now look, Dollar. I'll tell you when I told the lieutenant I don't know anything about it, and if you insurance rubes had any brains, you'd check with the cops first before making fools out of yourself. You saw quite a bit of it. Saw, that's right, saw. That was a long time ago. Listen, guy, I got a book in my pocket with names of girls to make Barbara James look silly. Now, why should I take away an old man's child bride? That's not the way I heard it. All right, for laughs, sure, I used to take her out. She was lonely. She used to come in here and sit alone at a table. I had nothing else to do. We'd dance, I'd buy her a few drinks. That was it. She gave you the brush, Bennett. Oh, yeah, sure. You don't like to be given the brush. Anytime I can't hang on to a dame like Barbara. She gave you the brush and you didn't like it. All right! All right, Dollar, she gave me the brush. I took that girl and gave her a new life. She was stuck with that old guy up there on the hill. She poured out her heart to me. Told me how it was to live up there. Well, I listened to all that. Listened like I was interested. And she turned around and kicked me. Who'd you run off with? I should remember. Your cooperation would be appreciated. Oh, get out of here. I'm busy. Thanks. You've been a big help. I hope you find her. Dead. Expense account item four, three dollars for two drinks, one for me, one for the young lady I dragged away from the dice table. Two drinks later, I was a lot better informed. You know, if he catches me talking to you, I'll probably be fired. If he catches you, you'll deserve it. (laughs) I bet they were quite a team, this Bennett and Barbara. She gave him the brush. That's what everyone says. You, um, you think she's dead? I don't draw any conclusions without having the facts. Bennett hates to be brushed. So do I. Bennett started this place on money he borrowed from James. Now, that's a new thought. Mm-hmm. Here's another. Barbara James's first husband is in town. I didn't catch the name. Fred Fogel. Another leading man. Another leading man. Yeah. I think that's worth another drink. Uh-oh. Here comes Bennett. Hey, where's this Vogel staying? The Parkson. Goodbye now. Well, I see you're pumping the help. Oh, just browsing. Browse elsewhere, huh? Right. Well, it's been swell. Wait a minute, Dollar. What did she tell you? We discussed baseball. Come on, sit down, Dollar. Make up your mind. All right, sit down. Yeah. Look, Dollar, I don't know where Barbara James is, and for all I care, she's at the bottom of the ocean, but there are a few things that have nothing to do with this case which I would hate to have circulated around. Every man has personal matters. I'm glad you recognize it. Now, come on, what did she tell you? You didn't tell me Vogel was in town. Is he? What's he doing here? How should I know? All right, Bennett, forget it. But listen, this girl, this dice girl, I don't go firing her for anything. I appreciate your interest in her welfare, Dollar, but I keep her for all the things she doesn't say. Finish your drink, Dollar. Ice is melting. I walked to the Parkson and asked the desk clerk for Mr. Fred Vogel. He was out. I waited an hour. At 3 a.m., he came in, slightly tipsy. He got his key and went upstairs. I followed in the elevator. When I got out on his floor, he tossed me a curious glance, but that was all. When he'd closed his door and I was on his side of it, he was even more puzzled. 
You got the wrong room. Uh-uh. Oh, yes, that's right. We got the wrong uh-uh. room. Now, do you mind... Are you Fred Vogel? Yes, how did you know? You were married to Barbara James? I... That's right. Well, come on, sit down, let's have a talk. Now, look, I like to talk, but it's one o'clock. Three o'clock. Well, you see, it's even later then. How about tomorrow? Well, I like to work at night. I'm with an insurance company. We're trying to locate your ex-wife. I haven't seen her in three years. No, no, four uh, No, three and a half years. And what are you doing in town? Just passing through from New York to Hollywood. I took the northern route. Beautiful. I shunted off this way to see Barbara again. I thought I'd pay my respects to her new husband. Sounds too casual. You know, I'm glad you dropped in. I was out all night sitting in some crummy bar and there was nobody to talk to. Well, well, do you want you like a drink? No. Thanks, anyhow. Well, you don't mind if I have one. No, no, go right ahead. Yeah, well, she left me, Mr. Mr. Oh, what? Anyhow, when she left me, I was destitute. Shook my confidence in myself. I always knew she was too good for me, but I never knew how much too good for me she was until she left me. Shouldn't have gone to New York. Why did you? Make money. Well, make money. Why else would anybody be fool enough to go to New York? When I came back, she was gone. She'd gone with this guy, this James. Why did you come back, Fred? Had to see her again. Two months I've been in town. I'm almost broke. First two weeks, I didn't have nerve enough to go up to her place, and then she disappeared. Now well, I can't go until I find out where she is. You've had a rough time. That's right. It's just what I need. I need somebody to sympathize with me. That's what I need. Oh, man, I wish, I wish you would have a drink with me. All right, Fred. I'll have a drink. <laughs> I went home at 5 and slept till 11. The only reason I woke up then was because somebody was ringing a telephone in my ears. Yeah, hello. You sound like you're in the crest of a hangover. Well, who's this? Harrison. Who? I'm with the police department. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, what's up, Harrison? Did you know that Bennett was one of Barbara James' favorite people at one time? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a girl named Dorothy... Dice girl. Yeah, very nice. Dice. D-I-C-E. Dice girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dice girl. Uh, We found her this morning on the highway. Four bullets too late. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. A lively, full-bodied, real mint flavor cools your mouth, moistens your throat, freshens your taste. And the chewing itself gives you a little lift, helps you keep going at your best. So for real chewing enjoyment that's refreshing and long-lasting, always keep Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. Healthful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum will make every day more enjoyable. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Well, it sure doesn't look like the apartment of a 26 girl. And this is an installment furniture either, Lieutenant. Let's nose around in that closet, huh? 
Well, imported brocade. Yeah. My wife's been pestering me for something like this for ten years. Now, how would a girl like Dorothy rate all this? For being lovely? Or for being quiet? Possible. It's usually the former. Yeah, that's true. Wait a second. What are you doing? Looking at this label. Martin Rifling, Denver. Now lead me to the classified. Yeah, it's a very cute dollar. I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah, here's the yellow book. Thanks. Ah, let's see. This is, this is, uh, here we are. Now, Rifling. Right here. Martin Rifling, early 5687. There you are, Lieutenant. Make the call in the name of the law. Five, six, eight, seven. I hope they still have the records. On the other hand, a customer like this, you... Uh, hello, say this is Lieutenant Harrison, police department. Have you got the records on a Miss Dorothy Weller? No, all right, sure. What's the deal? Says I have to talk to the manager. Uh, hello, say this is Lieutenant Harrison, police department. I'd like some information regarding a Miss Dorothy Weller. Yes, Weller. She had quite a substantial account with you, didn't she? Three thousand. Wow. Uh, look, who paid the bill? What? She did. Well, did she ever come in with anybody? I see. Yes, I see. All right, thank you. Nothing. She paid everything herself. The bankroll wants to keep itself a secret. Well, let's check on some of this other stuff. Probably the same deal, Lieutenant. She was getting plenty from somewhere, and the gift was strictly anonymous. Got any ideas? Same one you got. I'm going to mess around here for a while. You go on over to Bennett's and check. I'll let you know if we're right, Lieutenant. And look, uh, why don't you take some of that imported brocade back to your wife? Huh? <laughs> don't be silly. Then I'd have to take her someplace expensive to show it off. Spence account item five, $1.30, taxi fare to the Yellowbird Cafe. It was two in the afternoon and the place was quiet as a mausoleum. I went to Bennett's office and tried the door. It opened Bennett was in his chair, bent over the safe. As I closed the door, he bounced up. Dollar, what do you want? A little information. We came across some bills at a dress shop. Yeah? Yeah, $3,000. Guess whose name was on them. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's Dorothy Weller. That's who I'm talking about. $3,000. She must have come into some money. And now she's dead, and you were the rich uncle. I wouldn't spread those kind of rumors, Dollar. You killed her, Bennett. You killed her because she was bleeding you to death. Prove it. I can, by your bank account. She was your favorite charity. Get out of here. How does it tie in with Barbara James, Bennett? Get out, I said. You don't really want me to get out of here. If I did, I'd go right to the police and you'd be arrested on suspicion of murder. Now, come on. I want tales. All right. All right, darling. Barbara James never gave me the brush. And how did Dorothy Weller fit in? I sent her with a message to Barbara the night that we were going away. I sent her up there to tell her where to meet me. The night Barbara was killed? Yeah, that's right, the night she was killed. What happened up there? I don't know. Come on, Bennett. I tell you, I don't know. She wouldn't tell me. You paid her enough. Not to give me information, to keep things to herself. If anybody ever found out that Barbara and I were going to run away together... So I spread the tale that she'd given me the brush months before. You could be lying, Bennett. Could be, but I'm not. If you're not, it smells of double blackmail. What do you mean? Come on, you're not that stupid. Obviously, Dorothy was playing both ends against the murder. You were supplying cash to keep your name out of the Barbara James guest book. And somebody else was paying her to keep quiet about what happened that night. Who would that be? James? You hit it right on the head, Bennett.
Expense account item six, transportation to the Martin James place. I found old Mr. James out by the swimming pool, accumulating a wrinkled tan. He sent the nurse for something cool for me, and we settled down to conversation. Are you calling me a, a liar? All I know is something drastic happened the night Barbara James disappeared. Now, look, I don't prosecute anybody. I'm just an insurance man. My job is to find your wife, that's all. Oh, well, I've told you the truth. I... Oh, I'm afraid not, Mr. James. Because it happened something like this. You came home. Barbara was packing. She was there with another girl, a girl named Dorothy Weller. She told you she was running away with Bennett. You had a quarrel. Oh, it's the most You've been paying Dorothy Weller plenty to keep that quarrel to itself. By that sheer invention. Investigation, Mr. James. Now, exactly what happened Oh, that everything happened exactly as I told it to you. Bennett tells a different story. And it'll have to be Bennett's word against mine. It'll be more than that, Mr. James. Dorothy Weller is dead. Huh? Yes. I see. Now, what happened that night? So we quarreled. Barbara said she was going away with Bennett. I didn't want her to go. She left anyhow. I paid Dorothy Weller a good deal of money not to mention the quarrel to the police. What happened to your wife, Mr. James? I don't know. You didn't run away with Bennett. What happened to her, Mr. James? I don't know. You killed her, didn't you? No, You told no. her you'd kill her before you'd let her go. And she tried to go and you shot oh, her. no, that's a lie. I... Well, Mr. James, it's only a matter of time. Don't admit anything now. You don't have to. The only witness is dead. But we'll find the body. Oh, thanks for the drink. <laughs> Three weeks passed. Barbara James was still missing. We were stymied. No place to go. We searched every inch of the grounds on the James estate. We found nothing. The garbage disposal, nothing. The incinerator, nothing. Yet neither of us doubted that James had killed his wife. Sometimes he'd follow us around, his hands behind his back, a little smile on his face. I got to hate James. It was like losing at Canasta night after night to the same guy. One day, I was standing in the patio, looking down into the blue water of the pool, when somebody tapped me on the shoulder. Mind if we clean it? Huh? The pool. Oh. Uh, well, you better ask Mr. James. Oh, I thought you were going to use it or something. No. Well, we service the pool every two weeks, and unless somebody's using it, we go right to work, you know. Oh, go right to work, then. Yeah, sure thing. We built this pool, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been building pools in and around Denver for 25 years. My father was in business before that. This here's a beautiful job we did. We take real pride in this here pool. Yeah, it's a nice pool, all right. Oh, we got some beauties all around, but this here's our pride and joy. Solid gunite all the way through. Steel reinforcements, loot waller, pump and motor. Best equipment you can buy. This thing set old Mr. James back a plenty, but you get what you pay for. Nobody builds a better pool than us for the money. Oh, that's so? Oh, sure. And we take our time. We routine the work so you get the pool as soon as possible, but that gunite, you know, it, it has to set at least 28 days. Then the plaster. I wouldn't fill it until all that had a chance to settle. But Mr. James got awful impatient. Wanted the pool filled ten days after we gunnited. I told oh. him, I said, Mr. James, you don't build a pool like this every day. He said, I know that. And I said, Mr. James, you want this pool right, and I'm going to make it right for you. A few more weeks ain't worth getting impatient about. Ah, impatient, was he? Oh, my, you should have heard him. But we stood our ground, you know. Oh, goodness, I wouldn't ruin a $10,000 pool for the sake of two weeks. Hey, uh, what's gunnite? Well, I'll tell you. Gunite's a fine cement. We blow it out of a gun at 60 pounds pressure. Uh, see, poured cement ain't as good for a fool. But when you blow the cement into that steel reinforcement, we lay down that really gets in there and sticks. 
Practically all swimming pools are made of gunite now. When did you start the pool, Mr. Uh, uh, Dolph. Daniel T. Dolph. Oh, we started about, uh, let me see, May 23rd. We excavated then. Then we laid the seal, the 26th. Then we so the night of the, the 25th of May, there was nothing but a hole here. Oh, no, nothing but a big hole. We got the gardener to water down so he wouldn't cave in. Mr. Dolph, I'd like you to do something for me. Oh, sure thing. Drain the pool, will you? Drain it? Uh-huh. Uh, oh, you don't have to ever drain a Daniel T. Dolph pool. You see, the filter system and the automatic skimmer, they take care of all the... I want you to drain it and get some air drills in here and then tear out the bottom. What? Tear out the bottom? You crazy? Tear out this pool? Well, you'll be paid for it and I'll get the authorization. This beautiful pool? After we did a job like this, what for? What for? Maybe for nothing, Mr. Dolph. <laughs> A dig up the pool. That's right, Mr. James. Oh, that's the most outrageous suggestion. I've got a police order. Well, then you and the police department and the company you work for better be prepared to pay the consequences, Mr. Dollar. I'll admit this is a pretty expensive hunch. But it's all right. I work for pretty expensive people. Hope you know what you're doing, Dollar. What? I said I hope you know what you're doing. Well, it's only a hunch, Lieutenant. May 25th, the girl disappeared. Now, May 25th, there was nothing but a big hole here. James knew that the next day, they'd put the steel reinforcement in and then gunite over it. What better place for a body? Oh, here comes James now. What? I said James is coming. Oh. Hello, Dollar. How are things progressing? Pretty well, Mr. James. Yeah, I hope you're having a good time. <laughs> Just like a small boy watching him tear up the street. Only this time it's going to cost you your job. Yes, and your company. A lot of money. The order comes from the police department, Mr. James. You have to bring that up. Don't you think this is all just a little bit uh, childish, darling? Depends on what we find. If we don't find your wife, it's childish. If we do, it's logic. But rest easy, Mr. James. It won't be long now. I just hit a loose section. Oh, wait a minute. I'm coming down. Come on, Lieutenant. Right behind you. Yeah, right here, Dollar. You see, it shouldn't be this loose. Yeah, give me that shovel. Look, Johnny. Yeah. Great place for it. What is it, Dollar? Dollar, what is it? It's a grave, Dollar. What? We better get after James. We... Hey, he's gone. Huh, let's get up there. There he goes, Lieutenant. Hey, he's up on the porch. Come on, let's go. Stop! As you see, I have a gun. You don't want to add two more to your score, James. And why not? Dorothy and Barbara and now you. Not this time. No, you Stop don't. Let it go. No, no, Richard. Oh, nice work, Dollar. You all right? Just fine. But Mr. James isn't going to need a new swimming pool. So, Mr. 
Mr. Martin James had fashioned his wife's tomb, a foot of loam and quarter-inch steel mesh, four inches of cement, and eight and a half feet of water. A good tomb made to last a lifetime, but unfortunately, it wasn't quite deep enough. Expense account item nine, same as item one, $73.87, transportation, Denver, Colorado to Hartford. Expense account total, $344.59. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, keep some helpful, refreshing Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role, and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in Columbia Pictures' production, 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Parley Bear, Jack Moyles, Howard McNear, Stacey Harris, Gene Spaulding, and Jay Novello. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum every day. We invite you to join us again next week at this same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS... The Columbia Broadcasting System. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember, your donations make episodes like this possible. <laughs>